Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Tiny Tommy McDonald was the last man on the playing field to know when it began to rain. But size meant nothing to Tommy. Team colors and jersey numbers changed. But Tommy never did. He compensated for his short stature with a hearty appetite for gobbling up any pass thrown his way. Any ball that came near me, I wanted to be like a vacuum cleaner. I mean, it was mine. You know, I just, I, I turned me on. <laughs> they don't write them like that anymore, do they? Oh, God, I love that old stuff. Anyway, uh, we brought that in today because this is our Scheib uh, Sports this week, this moment in Philadelphia sports history, and it was on this day, ooh, I forget the year, that Tommy McDonald was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and a man who had a whole lot to do with that. Ray Dinger, my old partner, joins us now. Ray, how are you, pal? Hello, guys. How are you? Glenn, Mike, how's it going? Going well so far, Ray. Great to hear from you. <laughs> Good. He's two Good. hours way, in, and he hasn't quit yet, so we're all right. I know. I know. I've been listening. Doing, doing very well. I'm enjoying it. Uh, the year was 1998. Okay, there you go. And um, it, it uh, as I said, today's the anniversary. You were there. You introduced Tommy. It's an amazing story um, about how you know he helped you as a kid. You helped him as an adult. And it became a play, and the play is coming this month, uh, or I guess next month, we're still in July, in August, to the Hershey Theater, uh, three days, August 18th through 20th. you got some good uh, good people helping you. Ross Tucker is going to be your guest host one night. Yep, opening night. Opening night, Ross Tucker is going to be there to host the uh, post-show q and I'm uh, really excited about that. He seems like he's bringing most of his family. Uh, there and, you go, uh, sold out audience. I- yeah, yeah, I'm really, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. But this, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot. I mean, this is ever since we launched Tommy and Me way back in 2016. Uh, we've played in a lot of different theaters uh, all over the area. Uh, but the one place I've always really, really wanted to go is I, I, I wanted to bring the, I wanted to bring the play to Hershey, because that's where it all started. You know, the first time, you know, I met Tommy McDonald. You know, I was a little ten-year-old kid with an autograph book standing outside the locker room door uh, in Hershey, Pennsylvania, which was where the Eagles had their training camp in the fifties. Uh, and that was where I met him for the first time. Got his autograph for the first time. He handed me his helmet for the first time and said, "Come on, little brother, let's walk to the practice field." That was where it all started. It all started in Hershey, and you know, I know they had this beautiful theater back in Hershey, and I just always thought, boy, wouldn't it be so cool if we could kind of bring this story back to? 
back to its point of origin, you know, and uh, and we're finally going to get a chance to do that uh, August 18th, 19th, and 20th, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. By the way, let me just tell people, tickets for that can be ordered at HersheyTheater.com. Ray, yep. when did you know that this was a story that you had to write, and how did you know that writing a play was the best way to tell it? Um, I, I really felt that... Um, uh, I, I guess the weekend in Canton. I, I guess the, this this weekend in Canton, uh, uh, August first, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, when I was there, and I was in the middle of it, and uh, you know, riding in the parade with him in the open convertible through the streets of Canton. You're riding in an open convertible with your boyhood hero, uh, and there's a quarter of a million people lining the streets cheering, and you're on your way to the Hall of Fame, and you're going to give the speech to present your boyhood hero for induction. I said, Wow. This is <laughs> this is really a good story, uh, and I, I just really kind of wanted. I've, it took me a while to figure out exactly what I wanted to do with it, but I, I knew I wanted to tell it because the idea of, of the, the whole sort of full circle experience, starting from the time that I was a little kid and he was my boyhood hero, to to this conclusion where you know we're going to be standing together on the steps of the Hall of Fame. It's just a, it's just a great story, and it was just a question of, of what was the best way to tell it. And I I, deci- I really decided let me just give it a try as a play because I think I just think it might work. And um, you know I wrote it and brought it to Joe Canuso at Theater Exile and. Um, 2016, we put it on stage, and here we are, all these years later, and we're still doing it. It's really, it's really been a, it's really been a great, great journey. Well, I said this to you uh, many times before. You created something that is now a permanent part of the arts landscape um, in this area, and um, I mean, I know how many people who have seen it. People have seen it two or three times, as you say. Now you're going out to the Hershey Theater, where people who maybe haven't had the opportunity to see it before will. And um, the best thing I the, I don't know about the best, but one of the things I can say about your play that I think is really important is my wife doesn't give a damn about football, and my wife was unaware of who Tommy McDonald was, and she loves this play, and she's seen it four times, and will go to see it a fifth. So <laughs> it's it's a it's a story for sports fans, but it's really a story about. Uh, a relationship between two people that goes on for decades, and it's also a story about a kid becoming a man and how what you expect yourself to be as a kid and what you become. And I think that's that's really the beauty of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. Um, it really is that. It, that's. I think you summed it up very well. Um, and it, it really is an idea of, um, of of a relationship changing over time. I mean, when I was. When I was a little boy, I mean, he he gave me so much in terms of of his friendship, his time, um, you know, taking me for rides around Hershey in his in his cherry red convertible, um, and making me feel when he would call me little brother. I mean, it felt real to me. I mean, it it really felt like we had that kind of relationship. So, uh, I mean, he had a lot to do with me, my life. I mean, I I really think that getting close to him and kind of getting that peek inside the world of pro football kind of gave me the courage to pursue the career that I pursued. So he he did a lot for me back in those days. And then it just worked out in such a way that when I became a sports writer, I'm in a position to kind of give something back to him and kind of mount this campaign to to try and get him into where he belong- we should have been all along, which was the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1998. Um, it finally all came together, and uh, it's really great. I mean, it's you know, Tommy passed away a few years ago, but um, you know, I was talking to his uh, I was talking to his daughter 
Patricia uh, a couple months ago just when I told her when to tell her that we were coming to Hershey. Uh, and she said, you know, that I'm going to come up there. I want to see this play again because I've seen it every year. And she said, you know what you've done for our family? You've kept Dad alive for us. Uh, and I, I hadn't really thought about that, but uh, but what a beautiful sentiment. And uh, and the fact that we've been able to do this and, and keep Tommy's memory alive has really been a great thing. So, Ray, I have to ask you, um, Eagles training camp has begun. <laughs> what are your plans for oh. week one, Sunday, September 10th, Eagles at Lions? <laughs> um, um, I'm going to be sitting on the couch you know, watching the game on TV. Um, uh, I, everybody, everybody asks the question. I've been asked it so many times. You know, are you really going to have the yellow legal pad out? Uh, are you really going to be logging the game? And, of course I am. <laughs> of course I am. I'm going to have the yellow legal tablet out, uh, and I'm going to be charting every play, and I'm going to be writing down every coverage, and I'm going to be writing down every personnel package, and uh, I'm going to be logging all the third-down efficiencies and uh, all of that stuff, red zone. Because uh, at this point, after all these years, I don't know any other way to watch a game. I, I really don't know any other way to watch a football game other than doing that. So, yeah, on September the 11th, when the Eagles play the Lions, uh, I'll be doing everything I've done of all these years. The only thing is I'll be doing it on the couch probably with the bulldog bulldog in my lap. Okay. One of the things that our listeners want to know is your opinion uh, as an old head on the very, very brisk Eagles practices, which last about 58 minutes um, and uh, involve no hitting. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts? Um, well, that's the, that's the nature of today's NFL. You know, uh, I I understand it. A, a lot of it is mandated by the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, you know, it, it really is kind of out of the coach's hand to a large degree. You know, how many times you can practice, how long you can practice, how much you can hit. I mean, the coaches can can put their own personal touch on it, I suppose. Uh, but the rules are pretty. The rules are the rules, and you kind of have to observe them. And it's all geared towards player safety. And I'm listen. I'm in favor of that. Um, and if if Nick Sirianni is going to be real careful about the uh, about how physical his camp is and how much hitting there's going to be, you know that was kind of the way they were last year. I mean, I saw it. I was out there last year, and I saw it. And you know, I wondered, uh, like a lot of people, I wondered if it was tough enough. Uh, but I kind of got his message that we're going to try and keep our team healthy. And if you look at it, for the most part, they were. I mean, they were one of the healthier teams for a team that got racked by injuries for years, was losing guys right and left. You know, last year was one of their better years. So I know this sort of um, uh, rubs some people the wrong way, that there doesn't seem to be much contact here, but I think it worked for them last year. The one thing I would say about it is if he wants to, if he wants to sort of minimize the hitting, I kind of understand that, um, but you need the reps. If you're just going, you know, guys need to be on the field. Guys need to be on the field. Your quarterback sure needs to be on the field. And you can practice without hitting, but you, you need reps, 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 and more reps. Because you have a young quarterback, you have a new receiver who's, a receiver who's new to this offense. Devontae Smith, as good as he is, is only in the second year. Um, those guys can only benefit by as many reps as you can give them. So you don't have to have them out there hitting every day. Uh, but you need the reps to be ready to play because the schedule – Listen, the schedule lays out in such a way that their first four games are very winnable. Uh, and this team has been hampered now in recent years by getting off to slow starts uh, and having to come from behind. And they've been able to do it, including last year. They fought their way into the playoffs. But 
boy, it would be sweet to start this year 4-0. and So you better be ready. when that, We're talking about that game in Detroit. You better be ready to play that day. And, uh, um, you know, I think that, I, you know, you can cut back on the hitting a little bit because that's the nature of today's NFL. But, boy, you got to get the reps in because you got to get this passing game where you need it to be. Well, that segues to my next question for you here, Ray. Let's pretend for a moment that you're the offensive coordinator or head coach or certainly the play caller of the Eagles. You saw what they did in the second half of last season running the football. You know all the questions about Jalen Hurts. You know that they have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. What's the best way for them to run this offense? And what way do you think they need to run this offense uh, to be kind of, for lack of a better way of putting it, kind of satisfied with themselves and the way things are supposed to go? Yeah, uh, yeah, I know what you're saying, Mike. I, I, I just think this offense, pretty much like every other offense, is, is better when it's balanced. You know, when you can do... I've always thought it's just a very simple formula. I used to, Andy and I used to talk about this all the time when I used to tell him he needed to run the ball more. <laughs> and he told oh, I'm me sure he welcomed own, that, yeah. Yeah, and, and Andy, Andy always heard told me to mind your own business. But, uh, but, I, uh, but my, my philosophy was, and I said it so many times, that Andy, you're, you're a much better team if you can do two things instead of just one. I mean, it's hard to argue against that. I mean, if you can run it and throw it, you're a better team than if you're just doing one thing. Uh, and that not just applies to that team, but it applies across the board. And I think that with this team, too. I mean, they certainly demonstrate last year they can run it. Uh, and they have the offensive line back, and uh, they have backs, and they certainly have a quarterback that's sufficient RPOing it. So they can run the ball. There's no question about that. They can run it on pretty much anybody. Um, but to really, to really ramp this offense up, they need to have have a more balanced attack, and they need to be able to throw it. And I, people keep talking to me about, you know, Jay, I don't know if Jalen Hurts has a strong enough arm. It's, it's it's not about arm strength. You know, it's not just purely about arm strength. It's really about being efficient uh, in your passing game. It's being able to throw the ball accurately and throw it on time. I mean, last year in the last eight games, you know, he only threw Jalen Hurts only threw four touch threw four touchdown passes in the red zone last eight games. Um, and he was 31st in completion percentage in the red zone. Yeah. Now, that's not about throwing the ball far, mm-hmm. and that's not about arm strength. That's about executing in the narrow windows that they give you in the NFL. That's where he has to get better. You know, he doesn't have to develop a Brett Favre arm or an Elway arm. He never will. He's just not built that way. But he, but he can be a winning quarterback if he becomes efficient in the areas where he has to be efficient, which are in those you know, 12 to 18-yard digs, those slants, that all that stuff they're got to run the offense, and especially from the 20-yard line on in. If he can get really efficient down there, and I think adding Brown to the offense is going to help them in that regard, then they'll be approaching that balanced offense that you need to win in the NFL. I, you know, I really think that they have a chance to be pretty good this year. I, I really do. Love I'm, it. I'm, exci- I'm excited about that. I love that. Ray, real quickly, I want to segue into the Phillies. I told you before the season they were going to make the playoffs. You scoffed. Are you with me now? <laughs> Come on, Ray. Well, I, Bandwagon's <laughs> got room for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I think that, listen, I, I think that they will probably be one of three teams fighting for the last playoff spot. You know, the way I look at it, there's probably, you know, you're going to, you know, you got the Mets and the Braves are going to go from the east. Uh, Dodgers and the Padres are going to go from the west. You're going to get one team out of the central, probably Milwaukee. Uh, and then you've got one spot left. And I think there's going to be three teams fighting for it. It's going to be the Phillies, the Cardinals, and the Giants. And the Giants, to me, look like they're going in the wrong direction. Yep. So, you know, I think they'll be there in September. Uh, if, if, they can just, if they can just hang in kind of where they are right now uh, and, and until Harper gets back, then, 
Yeah, then I think that uh, I think they have a shot to get to the yeah, postseason. Look at you today, all fun wow. and smiles. So Ray, uh, I I miss you, pal. I do. It was great to see you the other day for lunch. I enjoyed and, it. Uh, and you know, I I needed two guys uh, here. I don't even want to say replace you because nobody replaces you. But I got Mike Sealski on Saturdays, Jody McDonald on Sundays. Ray. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm. I'm I'm delighted for you because you and I talked about this. You know, we talked, I mean, you knew months before my announcement where I was going with this. And we talked a lot about what you wanted to do. And, you know, I knew the, I, you know, I knew the direction you wanted to go with the show. And we talked about guys. And, you know, we both said right away that I thought Mike's, Mike was a perfect guy. I mean, Jody was a given because you had the great history with Jody. And you guys are great together. You really are. Uh, but of, of the other guys... You know, I just thought Mike was just a natural fit, and I, I have no doubt. I mean, I've done stuff with Mike. Mike and I have done some stuff together. Uh, he's been kind enough to come out to Tommy and me not once but twice to do the Q&A, and Mike's great. And, you know, Mike is great, and you two guys together, I think you've shown it just in the first two hours a day. It's going to be a terrific partnership. So, you know, I'm, I'm like everybody else in the audience. I can't, I, can't wait to, I can't wait to tune in every Saturday. Checks in the mail, Ray. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> Ray, I got somebody who wants to say hi to you. It's a member of your cast coming out to Hershey, Frank Nardi. Hey, Frank. Hey, Ray. How you doing? Hello, Frank. Great to hear from you. Are you all excited about going to Hershey, man? Oh, I can't wait. Like you were saying, I can't wait to bring it back to where it all began. By the way, Frank plays young Tommy McDonald. So, Frank, I, I don't know if you heard the intro into this where we played Tommy getting excited. Not that you, oh, I, I heard, listen, but, I've heard you do it perfectly, but even a little more inspiration for you. Those are some of the clips that I was able to listen to so I could sort of get into, uh, into character and sort of learn that little twang that Tommy had in his voice. I know it's going to be it, it's it's really going to be great, and uh, you know we had to find a, a new a, a new actor to play the young me because all these uh, all the guys they keep outgrowing it, uh, and unfortunately it's not like Bart Simpson where you draw the eight year old and he stays eight year old forever. <laughs> yeah, you know, these yeah these kids grow up, so we have to we had to keep changing, and uh, so we've got a new a new young Ray, but. Uh, we're we're really looking forward to it. I know that uh, I've talked to Tom Teddy and Matt Pfeiffer, and we we can't wait to get going. August eighteenth, nineteenth, and twentieth. It's going to be great. Frank, I got to run. I appreciate you checking in. We'll see yeah, you soon. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. see everybody in Hershey. All right. Thank All you right. so much. All Thanks, right. Frank. See you there. So, Ray, for a guy in retirement, I just have to say, let let's go through this, okay? You mm-hmm. got the Hershey Theater coming up August eighteenth, nineteenth, twenty. Uh, right. Tickets at the com. Tomorrow. You're schlepping out to Lancaster, Ray? Yes. I'm sure your wife's delighted about that retirement Sunday. <laughs> you got a book signing at the Barnes & Noble in Lancaster from 1 to 3 at the Red Rose Commons on Fruitville Pike. Right. All right. Well, you'll knock them dead there. And then um, coming up in September, actually, you and I have a thing together. I'm looking forward to this. I get to play James Lipton. Uh, yes, you do. We're doing a, a Ray Dinger profile at the uh, Speaker Series at the Uptown Performing Arts Center in Westchester, September 7th at 7 p.m. Tickets, I, I'm really looking forward. Just you and I on a stage is going to be a lot of fun. Tickets. I, that's going to be a blast. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be great. I mean, because that's, you know, that's the Wednesday. That's the Wednesday that the NFL regular season kicks off. So we'll have, uh, you know, interest will be at its height. And it'll be great to just be back together with you again. It yep. will be a delight. There you go. <laughs> I, I'll do all the <laughs> James Lippin. What is your favorite word? <laughs> Uh, tickets available at uptownwestchester.org. Uh, hey, pal, it's always nice to talk to you. Right. Thank you so much for calling in. Thanks for the good words. And uh, I will 
I will do my best to uh, to hit the mark of excellence in the standard that you established. Hey man, you're going to do you're going to do just fine. I mean, you guys together, it's it's going to be great. I, it really is. I'm I'm really looking forward to listening to you every week, and um, I hope you don't mind if I pop on now and again just uh, just to say hi. No, that's not allowed. I don't believe that's going to be a problem. <laughs> All right, buddy, be well. I'll talk. Right. To you, I'll talk Take to you this care, week. Fellas. See All right, you. see you. Take care, Ray. There you go. Great guy. No, that was that was wonderful, uh, and really I'm very nice. appreciative of what he said. There you go. You got the papal blessing right there. Yeah, we can see the smoke out at 24th <laughs> and Market right now. Is it the white puff or the black? I forget which is the puff when they get the new puff. I don't know. With Ray, it's it's got to be Kelly Green. There guess, you right? go. Nicely done. Uh, Mike and Maple Glenn joins us. Hey, Mike. Hi. Hey, Dawn. Best right. of luck in your new show. Thanks. Uh, I, I know it's an honor to follow Ray. It's the white smoke. Tells you I have a pope. Um, there you go. Thank you. Uh, the um, Phillies uh, can can get the ninety four wins if they go twenty seven and ten. I know it's going to be tough, but yeah, against I, the Cubs, Pirates, yeah, a little you know, ambitious group, and then just go five hundred fourteen thirteen against the rest of their schedule. So they have a chance, and this pitching staff is at a half a run less than they were last year. So without any addition, they've already lowered the runs they're giving up even with a terrible defense. So are you saying you don't see a need for a move? Is that what you're um, saying? I, when I called in, I said, I want to talk about what happens if they can't do anything. Okay. So ah, if okay. they remain status quo, they're still a shot at winning. You know, it's it's interesting, Mike, because as I said earlier in the show, as much as Dave Dombrowski has a penchant for the big move, and he has said, you know, I love superstars, I, I just wonder what the level of hesitation on his part will be in moving some of these prospects. Do I think they're going to make a move? Yes, I do. Do I think it's necessarily going to be on the scale that a lot of people might want? Maybe not you, but a lot of other Phillies fans. That I'm not sure about. Yeah. And that's, you know, so I'm just, I'm still going to be hopeful if they don't make a move. Okay. If they do make a move, I think that it only increases their chance to get to 94. I like your optimism. I don't know about 94. I think you get in the playoffs with about 87. Now, 94 gets you. Well, they're not going to win the division. The Mets are no. there. The Braves are there. They're not going to do that. But I guess you get a higher seed in the playoffs. You get you, right. The sixth seed gets no home games in the playoffs. Is that the way it works? Can't possibly, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, a higher seed will help them. That that would be good. By the way, the uh, segment with Ray and the Tommy McDonald uh, moment was our Scheib Sports this week in Philadelphia sports history. Brought to you by Scheib Sports. Visit them at their Center City location or at scheibsports.com. And let me say that this hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. 215-592-9494. Your call is coming up with Mike Sielski. I'm Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All right, with Mike Sielski, I'm Glenn Mack. Now, tomorrow with Jody Mack, I am really looking forward to doing these Saturday and Sunday shows with two people who I really uh, enjoy, respect, get a chemistry, the whole thing. We're talking about, I've been doing what we're watching with Ray for all these years. Now I get to do it with two guys. We're going to cut up some sound, you know, do a new return. We had a kind of uh, quick jerry-rigged one today with you it sounded pretty good it was terrific yeah. i give Moshe all the credit in the world for doing that and uh what we said is it's tougher to find the name jody in movies and tv but uh Moshe, you found a couple yeah so uh jody camera gave us you know jody foster yeah, so yeah, yeah. Grabbed, grabbed a little bit of that and uh and some callers called it that there's an act uh, a character named jody played by tyrese in the movie baby boy so i, I found a couple bits from that and uh let's hear it all right it's Glenn and Jody. And the winner is Jody. My bestie, Jody. Is this Jody? Wow. Who was the fourth voice? <laughs> that's Snoop Dogg. It is. Wow. In the movie Baby Boy. Oh, calling, that's, uh, that's getting call, in. Is this Jody? He's calling from prison. <laughs> give, me, give me the whole thing again. I want to hear it again. That was good. It's Glenn and Jody. And the winner is Jody. My bestie, Jody. Is this Jody? Oh, yes. Definitely. Th- that that's gonna work. That's cooler than anything you're gonna get from me. Wow. <laughs> oh, I mean, look, I w- with you, it was like I I had to pick and choose what mics to use. I could come up with hundreds of different great Mike Sealski intros. Uh, yeah, so the one from the Godfather. common name. Yeah, the one from the Godfather. The Godfather. Yeah, there just go. wasn't Mikey, enough time, yeah. Michael. Yeah, that one's got to stay. Wasn't enough time. All right, let's get to Bill in Seattle. Bill, what are you listening to us out in Seattle? What's up with that? What's that? Why am I in Seattle? <laughs> well, I mean, we appreciate a listener from Seattle. Are you an uh, expat from I grew here? up in Philadelphia. There yeah. you go. Thanks. What's up? Um, I've, I've been out here for a while. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I want to I uh, jump on something that Mike said a little earlier about uh, the Eagles possibly turning over quarterbacks, mm-hmm. you know, getting more rookies and letting them roll for four years or whatever. And I think that's exactly where they're going. I think... Uh, I think a lot of the talk around Jalen Hurts kind of doesn't make sense. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. I think that's a very good thing. And I think the Eagles see it that way, and they've built a team that doesn't depend a lot on him. Now, if he plays bad, obviously that's going to matter. If he plays great, that's going to matter. But this team isn't going to win or lose 
to make Jalen uh, – I see what you're saying. Yeah, they're, they're trying to build a team in which the quarterback is less of an X factor. Well, and the, the point that I think Bill is getting at, which is really important, is that they are able to build a team like that because Jalen Hurts is on his rookie contract. You know, that was kind of the, the genius of the 2017 team, and the reason it won the Super Bowl was – under the cap, they were spending so little cap space on the position of quarterback yeah. that you could go get yeah. Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, Chris Long, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and to me, the bigger risk is, okay, then you pay a guy and he turns out to be Joe Flacco or Eli Manning in the second half of his career and he's just not worth that money. Yeah, and which, by the way, good luck to the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, exactly. And like, and that's unless you unless you have that guy who really you know is that guy, right? Well, half a dozen guys in the league at most to be locked into paying a quarterback second contract for, you know, a contract there, that's got a lot of commas in it. There are varying degrees of that, right? Like Matt Ryan didn't win a Super Bowl, but Matt Ryan stabilized the Falcons franchise for mm-hmm. a decade. Mm-hmm. Certainly, that was money well spent. Kyler Murray, Joe Flacco. Eli Manning on a second or third contract, not so much. By the way, this hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. Um, hey, one of the things I really uh, try to do in every show uh, is talk about all of the teams. And one of the reasons I appreciate that I'm going to be working with you on Saturday and Jody on Sunday is that you're both hockey guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you both follow the league, care about the league, and uh, can talk ably about the league. You almost have become a symbol of, and that's not the word I want to use, what I want to use. Somebody who stood up early and recognized that this Flyers franchise was going the wrong way. And it's really before they became as decrepit as they are. Okay, this has been an interesting offseason because they let go of Oscar Lindblom. Okay, it wasn't a popular move at all, but whatever. Uh, they signed a couple of well, they made a trade uh, for Tony D'Angelo, yes. which and gave him a lot of money, a lot of money, and gave up a lot of resources for that. They signed a guy who has been called the worst forward in the league, Delorier, <laughs> to a two-year deal for a good amount of money. They were not in a position to sign the best player ever to come out of this area who wanted to come home and play for the hometown team. Mike, what the hell are they doing? Good question, Glenn. Um, I think what they ought to be doing is rebuilding. What they ought to be doing is acknowledging what has happened around the NHL since the salary cap went into effect, which is that a team, generally speaking, has to be really, really bad for a while before it becomes really, really good. Sounds very processy. Uh, I know, and I know that's a hot-button term around here. Not a fan of the process. Just one example. Colorado Avalanche just won the Stanley Cup. They've been you know, a top five, top 10 team in the league for the last few years. They went over an 11-year stretch where they made the playoffs three times. Their top six scorers this season were all players who were taken in the first round, four of them by the Avalanche. So that's kind of the template of the way the league works now. And the Flyers haven't gotten as bad as they are now. They haven't been bad enough for a long enough period right. of time. You tell me I got to watch worse hockey? I think you kind of do. I watched some really bad hockey this year. I, I know, but I think you kind of do. Uh, I, I you know, and I know it's not something that fans want to hear, especially since the Ed Snyder years conditioned them to the team going in all in every single year. Yeah, and having he, having the ability of like, oh, we shouldn't have gotten Paul Coffey. That's okay. We'll just spend our way out of it. Exactly. You can't do that anymore. Yeah. And you haven't been able to do it for a while. And uh, it's, a, it's a shame to a great degree, but this is where they're at. 
okay. So what what, what how do I want to ask this? What are they doing? What do you do now? Where where I mean cuz now you got what you got. And 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 actually I'll ask you a different question. What does this all mean for Carter Hart? Well, Carter Hart is going to have to withstand some stuff. Um, oh, I think oh, in terms of the oh, roster around last him. year wasn't bad enough for him. He, here's the one sliver of a silver lining, so to speak. John Tortorella, if he does nothing else, coaches his team to play jagged edge hockey and tough defense. I covered the Rangers in New York when he was the coach there. In 2012, they were the best team in the Eastern Conference, and they were largely the best team because they basically set up a wall in front of Heinrich Lundqvist and made things as easy as possible for a guy who was already one of the league's best goaltenders. They blocked shots. They played relatively conservatively, you know, defensive structure, all that sort of stuff. My guess is Tortorella is going to have the Flyers playing in a similar kind of style um, without the top-end talent that that Rangers team had. That, that Rangers team had some firepower offensively that this Flyers team just does not have. So you're going to see a team, I think, that loses 2-1 to one an awful lot or 2 nothing an awful lot. Um, you know, but So the, bad and boring. Yeah, kind of. Mm. Kind of. I, I wish there were okay. a better way to express this and more optimism that I could lend, but I don't think it's there. All right. I appreciate that. Kenny in San Diego is with us. Hey, Kenny. Boy, we're getting all the West Coast calls right now. It's I amazing. guess it's, well, you know, it's morning out there. Hey, Ken. You with us, Ken? Uh, Kenny went back to bed. Yeah, well, if he calls. Oh, oh. We lost him. We'll get him back. Okay. Let's get Frank in Stone Harbor. Hello, Frank. Hey, bud. How you doing? I got a question and then a six degrees of separation. But let me, let me start off by saying how wonderfully torturous that was to hear Ray on and not have him in the studio. That was just a gem. I know. Yeah. And hey, he said he'll come on every once in a while. I, listen, I'm liking the direction of my shows moving forward with, with Mike and Jody. I will always cherish the 21 years I got to work with Ray. Agreed, agreed. Okay, so the, the question is, in what I'm all for Jalen starting out great, but in what degree or fashion does he have to, if he would have a subpar start, does your mind set start to go towards, okay, I'm, I'm leaning towards the balance of closing the book on Jalen and starting to look ahead to finding somebody uh, else. Are you talking about benching him during the season, or are you talking I am, about... I am like, how, how, okay. how subpar of a start? It's, it's tough, and I'm, I'm going to go to Mike in a second on this, because you talked about this earlier. Here's the problem. If he plays poorly and they're winning games and they're in the playoff hunt, you have to think about benching him because you want to make the playoffs. If he plays poorly and the team's doing poorly... Mike, you're suggesting you got to stick with him for other reasons. I, I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying that I would. I think Gardner Minshew can, in certain situations, can play at a level equal to, or in some situations, better than Jalen Hurts. What I'm suggesting is the Eagles are going to be very reluctant to bench him just based on poor performance, because they will look at it as we can't just let him walk away, and we're depressing the asset. We're lowering his value. If we bench him, um, so I would be surprised if he gets benched. I really would. It would have to be Bobby Hoying levels of Ugh. terribleness. Yeah, I don't expect that. But to me, again, it is this: if you're eight and five, but your quarterback's a problem, you're winning because your defense is great. You're winning because the running game is great. But you know that the quarterback can't do it. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but Frank is asking us, a th- uh, you know, what if? 
that's when I got to think I got to I got to get somebody I trust. I, I would be surprised. Do you really think Nick Sirianni is going to be able to make that call? Do you think he has the power to make that call? I'm I'm skeptical of that. It's a fair point, Frank. between a business decision and performance. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So real real quick, six degrees of separation. Uh, Glenn, you were in my bro- you were involved in a play that my brother in law was part of. Uh, Mark Thompson out of Del County spoke very highly. Uh, of Mark is gr- We were in Anything Goes together, and Correct. Mark is a terrific and talented actor and a, and a fine gentleman. Um, he is, and he might, he might know just as much, if not more, about, uh, about fine beverages as you do. Yeah, he's a good beer guy. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, he is. Good- um, give, him, give him my best, and thanks for checking in. And I believe, I believe that tomorrow I'm going to be able to announce officially that I'm in a new play coming up this fall. First of all, congr- I love I love acting. First of all, congratulations. Thanks. Second of all, um, I told you the other day when we were on it with Angelo, this is a point of commonality that you and I have. I acted a little bit in college. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a uh, at LaSalle. We did a play. Uh, play version of Twelve Angry Men at the time we called. Oh it wow! 12 Which a- one were you? I was, were you Henry Fonda? No, I oh, was. Oh, you'd be a good Henry Fonda. <laughs> Thanks. I was the uh, I was the foreman of the jury, um, who was um, Martin Balsam. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. the movie, yeah, yeah, completely disinterested. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and uh, we called the Twelve Angry Jurors because there were actually eight angry men and four angry women. So okay, the well cast. there you go. That's good. Uh, but it was a ton of fun, and uh, I look back on that very fun. So here's the thing: so I acted in high school, and I acted in college, and I kind of, you know, graduated from college and started working, and got married, and then, you know, had kids, and get, and got away from it. I and like I, that was it. But I always wanted to get back to it, always. And I talked about it, you know, decades past. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Anthony Sanfilippo. Oh yeah. Okay. Very talented hockey writer. Yes. Broadcaster. All those things, and a a really good director. He's a theater guy. Wow, I didn't know that. He he went to college and studied theater. It's what it's really what he does. Trust me, it's better than his hockey writing. <laughs> so that was so Anthony. That was Glenn. That was not me. As and and my producer way back when I started on WIP, and he said to me one time, "If you ever want to get back into it, you better do it because you ain't getting younger." Wow. And so about six years ago, I auditioned for a play that he directed. I got in, and I've done several of them since and challenged myself by singing and dancing, which, trust me, does not come that naturally, but I survived it. And I auditioned for a play uh, last week, and I am going to, I think, be able to announce tomorrow. That's it. And then I'll rope you into coming out to it. Oh, you don't have to rope. I will absolutely do that. There you go. Let's sneak in Kenny here from San Diego. You with us, Ken? Hey guys, there sorry about that. That's all right. Had a little had a little connectivity issues. First time caller, long time listener. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah, uh, I got a couple questions for you. First, one thing you might not know that you have in common with Michael Glenn is that he was a you were a business sports business writer when you first started with the Enquirer, and Michael correct. was the treasure. Michael was a treasure of his high school class. So you guys both have that money background. <laughs> and that is that right? right? Was there. he a good treasure? Were the book did they even have? Was there oh, you know no, embezzlement no, no. issues? There was a little SC, There was a little SEC conversation <laughs> afterwards, but you know, I deny well. everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so what I wanted to talk about was first, really, congratulations to Mike. This is so cool to see your career progressing and all that stuff, and that, it's thank really you, good. Kenny. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. Um, so what I want to talk about with little was about the Phillies itself. Um, but your Flyers comment right before that brought up an idea in mind, which is knowing the fan base. Is Fletcher just there saying, in effect, that they're trying to tank, but do it in a more artful way? 
than what Hinky did with the Sixers. Because I love Hinky's approach, and I'm wondering whether they just don't think the fan base would tolerate that. Uh, I, I don't agree with that assumption, but I don't know if that's what they're thinking. I, I think that is definitely factoring into their thinking. And I've actually written this in a column. I actually wrote that it was time for the Flyers to kind of come out and acknowledge publicly uh, that they were rebuilding, that they were just say something as simple as we're not going to win the Stanley Cup next year. We're just not. And But I think you are right in that they are fearful that the fan base will rebel, react negatively to that. Yep. Um, and I can't blame them. I mean, they're kind of in a catch-22 here. There's only one way out of uh, the mess they've created for themselves, uh, but they can't really acknowledge publicly that they need to take that way out. Uh, give me quickly your thoughts on the Phil's bullpen here. Yeah, thoughts on the Phil's bullpen is this. Uh, we're walking kind of a knife's edge with Brad Hand and Alvarado at times. I actually think, in theory, if you can't get a starter and the, pr- the price for, say, Jose Quintana and Tyler Mayo is prohibitive, maybe you look at Colorado and you look at somebody like Daniel Bard or something like that. You add him to a bullpen, not necessarily to be a closer, but just as another arm out there in case. The other thing I thought about watching the game last night, the Pirates play Ben Gamble in left field now, but yeah. he played a lot in center field. Yeah. He made some good mm-hmm. plays last night look easy. It, it, I wonder if he's he okay. get somebody like him to play center field just to stabilize things defensively. He's okay. He's very average. And mm-hmm. average is better than O'Double. And average yeah. is probably better than Veerling. And he's completely unexciting. But if you can get him on – I mean – the prospects we talked about earlier, I'm not giving up any of those for Ben Gamble, but I would take him. No, and I like Kenny's thinking in terms of being a little creative in terms of how you are going to address areas of weakness. You know, find a left fielder who can play center field better than anybody you have right now. Uh, if you can't get a fourth or fifth starter, okay, bolster the bullpen with somebody who can pitch an inning or two. Um, I'm sure Dave Dombrowski is going through all of these options and looking what's out there and we'll see i mean like as i said earlier i would be stunned if they didn't make a move um i just don't think it's going to be to the degree that a lot of people want mike sealski glenn mack now we'll come back wrap it up to call or two find out what we forgot to talk about right here on 94 wip we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 94 WIP, I'm Glenn Mack, and I'm Mike Sielski is with me. By the way, uh, tomorrow's show, I'll be with Jody Mack, and tomorrow, a couple of great guests, Brian Baldinger tomorrow at 11, and Dick Vermeil tomorrow at noon. Dick is going to be inducted the following weekend into the Hall of Fame in Canton. I love Dick Vermeil. I mean, you, I don't remember Dick as coach of the Eagles, right? You're too young for that, but you know him as a personality. I, I know him as a personality. I spent some time with him about a week and a half ago at his home in Chester County for, a big, for a big piece I'm writing for the I didn't Inquirer. know this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm doing oh. a big, big story about him, and... Um, it was great. It's always great to spend time with him. You would never know from interacting with him that he is 85 years old. It's amazing. No, it, it is amazing, and he is such a gentleman. He is yes. such a good guy. You know, people sometimes ask me, I'm sure you get asked the question, 
You know, you mean like, is this guy a good guy? You meet a lot of athletes, coaches that they're good guys. And to me, in all the years I've been in Philadelphia, I mean, I know I'm opening up this topic kind of late in the show, and it's a big topic that, that you and I can discuss sometimes. The guys I have met, the stars, the superstars, who are the nicest guys, my list starts with Bernie Perrant, mm-hmm. uh, who's become a very close friend of mine, um, which is ironic because he broke my heart as a teenager when <laughs> I was growing up in Buffalo, which he loves to remind me of, but that's okay. Uh, Reggie White was just a great, great guy. Uh, and Dick Vermeil, Charlie Manuel. Mm, I'm sure there are others, but those yeah. are the ones that come to mind. You've dealt with a lot of guys who who are the ones that you really. I'm not saying they're friends, but guys you really respect and see as gentlemen. Um, I would put Dick near the top of that list. I would put Brian Dawkins um, mm. at the top of that list. He's one of the few athletes that I've encountered in my 20 years of covering Philadelphia sports, where you really felt like you had to be absolutely on the top of your game when you were talking to him because. There was just something about him that commanded that kind of respect and that that need to be at your best. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. That's that's a good one as well. Uh, by the way, Brian Westbrook, who I've dealt with some, is also true. There are he a bunch. Is. Someday we'll do a show on that. But that those are the ones that come at the, at the, from the top of uh, – off the top of my head. And, and Dick, for me, I'm, I'm very excited. Jody and I will have Dick on tomorrow and talk about him going to Canton. You think he'll have an opinion on how the Eagles are practicing these days? Oh, I can't imagine. You he know what would. he'll say? This is what he'll say. He'll kind of say what Ray said, which is not the way I did it. Right. Things have changed. Nick's a smart guy. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Glenn, just to be very quick about this. That's one of the things I want to explore in this piece I'm writing about him is that I think people forget how much of a hard-driving coach he was when he was here in Philadelphia because we've gotten so accustomed to seeing him as the very emotional, um, you know, even a TV pitch man in some ways. That's how he's known now among later generations of Eagles fans. And I think people need a bit of a reminder about what he was like as a coach when he got here. Intense. Yes, very oh, much yeah. so. Very intense. Uh, one other thing I want to ask you about before we get to Moshe Kravitz for what we forgot to talk about. It has been a big story. I know you wrote about it. It's an issue I have talked about a lot. I think this may be one where you and I have very different opinions, which is the Sixers announced a week before this week that they intend to build their own arena, and their goal is to build it uh, in Center City, right around 10th and Market, an area called the Fashion District, which is <laughs> yeah, not that fashionable, but okay, that's what it's called. Uh, I do not love this idea. I'll let you go first. What do you think about the viability of it and um, if they've got the right spot? The more I've thought about this, my initial reaction, I should say, off the top was, oh, this sounds interesting. But the more I've thought about it, the the less I think I like the idea. Um, Number one, you look at study after study, and I know that the Sixers' uh, ownership and managing partners are saying that they're going to pay for all this themselves. They're not going to use taxpayer funds. But if you look at study after study, yeah. Be- <laughs> yeah, we'll believe it when we see it. Um, it uh, Downtown arena doesn't really, in the main, do a lot f- to improve the economy of a downtown. Um, I don't think the Union's soccer stadium has done a whole lot for Chester, just as one no. example. No. Um, so there's that. I think... Philadelphia as a culture and just in terms of infrastructure does not have the public transportation and is not of a mindset to take public transportation to the degree that would be necessary to make a downtown arena work. Uh, Those suburban dollars and those suburban commuters can easily get to 
South Philadelphia off of 95 and the Schuylkill Expressway, not so much for an arena at 10th and Market. Yep. I, well, I, I didn't know you felt that way. Yeah. You know, I just, I kind of come around on it. Uh, and that's, it's very much the way I feel. Listen, I understand why they want to build their own arena and more power to them. They don't know who wants to be a tenant when you can have your own right. place. It will be interesting when they build that place to see... Like what ends up at the Wells Fargo Center and when it, what ends up there? College basketball. Is Villanova going to move there? The concerts. You know, there are a lot of events. I will say that the they've done a great job improving the Wells Fargo Center. It's, yeah. It's a, it's a very modern building. It's a very nice building. They, they've done a nice job with it. But this will be something new to compete with it. Um, you, you kind of come from my perspective of... In theory, it's nice to have an arena downtown, and everybody thinks like, "Hey, after the game, we'll go out for drinks and you know dinner and so on, and we'll help those businesses." But most of the time, it's empty yeah. during the day. It's a whole city block that nobody's really using, other than the people who work in the arena, which aren't that many. And at most, you're talking okay, fifty Sixers games, maybe fifty other events. That's a hundred out of three hundred sixty-five nights. It ain't going to help the economy, and. Um, I'm all for going green and people taking uh, public transportation. But as you pointed out, this is not a city like New York, Boston, a couple others where everybody's going to do it. And, you know, uh, the people who like this may say like, yeah, those old suburbanites, screw them. But those old suburbanites, that's a big part of your base. And yeah. We, we don't know what the city's going to look like nine years from now when presumably this would open. Um, so... I'm skeptical. Needless to say, I'm skeptical. All right. This hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit the meridianbanker.com. Moshe Kravitz, I believe we've pretty much covered every topic there is to cover today. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I had to make stuff up practically. <laughs> uh, some With some of these, it feels like it. For example, uh, Jason Kelsey the other day showing up at practice with bubble wrap on his helmet, <laughs> uh, which I thought was hysterical. I wanted to get your guys' opinion and also the, the root of it happening because certain positions on all NFL teams during training camp are wearing these things called guardian caps, yeah. which are supposed to reduce the chances of concussions. I don't know why all positions aren't doing that. And if we can reduce <coughs> concussions further than the current NFL helmets are, are reducing them, why don't these guardian caps become a permanent part of the helmet? All right. So, Besides the bubble wrap, what do you, what do you guys think about this? I think wackiness? it's offensive linemen, linebackers, tight ends, tight ends. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, were you down there when they were wearing those? I was not. No. Okay, I saw them on TV as so did you I. did. Um, it looks like the Great Gazoo. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember, that was Flintstones and Jetsons yes. or whatever, right? That guy. Um, I imagine the reason they're not going to do it all the time is. It probably slows you down. I yeah, mean, right. It, it probably makes your head heavier, right? Yeah. Like you're carrying more, literally carrying more weight up there. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, it's it's a it's a really serious issue in football, and it's something that we kind of conveniently turn a blind eye to because we love the sport so much. But it's there, and it matters. And as silly as it looks, if it helps, that's a good thing. I love what Kelsey said when he wore the bubble wrap, which is. The, uh, what do they call that helmet, Moshe? I forget what A it, guardian The cap. guardian cap uh, is supposed to give us 20% more protection. I guess the bubble wrap gives me another 2 to 3%, so I'm going with it. Hey, listen, he's the greatest ever. He's, I was there a couple of weeks ago in Seattle City when he did his fundraiser at the Ocean Drive. Um, 
the way that people respond to him and the way that he responds to the people around here, it's unlike anything I think I've ever seen. Uh, probably since dating to where in the the Flyers were winning Stanley Cups in the 70s, like that level of a connection with the community. And we were talking a couple minutes ago about the guys who are actually great guys. He's actually a great oh, guy. Oh, yeah. He's He's tremendous. actually a man, yes. of, man of the people and a great guy. Hall of Famer? I think so, yes. That would be pretty damn special. Yeah. I, I retired, think I, definitely retired the number. Yeah, I think he's cleared that threshold All already. Right. All right, Moshe, what else we got? All right, sticking with the Eagles, uh, I, I'm starting to get a little concerned about Jonathan Gannon's scheme for this defense. Hassan Reddick has basically only thrived in the NFL as a pass rusher, and yet him and Brandon Graham, who's coming off of an injury, were both seen dropping back into coverage at training camp the other day. Your thoughts? Ah, Moshe, 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 Moshe. What's the, what's the date today, Moshe? It's, it's, it's July 30th. Okay. You're telling me well, this is the it, most when, important time for football, Glenn? Uh, uh, when, when does the season start? First Doesn't game? start tomorrow? No. Oh, I'm, I got it wrong. September 11th. <laughs> I, I mean, Mike, I, you know, I don't know if you see it differently, but whatever they're doing in practice now, whatever Jalen Hurts' stats are now, whatever schemes they run on offense and defense and whatever, it's July. They're going to try a lot of things on for size. If Hassan Reddick dropping back into coverage on July 30th is not something – I will lose sleep about. I share your lack of concern over this. Having said that, uh oh, I hear there's a however. Any snap during the regular season that Hassan Reddick is on the field and he is dropping back into coverage is a snap that the opposing team's head coach and offensive coordinator feel a little bit better about. Okay, so this is a cautionary yes kind of word from you and from a very concerned Moshe Kratz. Yeah, hopefully it's the last time we see that. Uh, moving on to the Sixers, uh, luck something that didn't happen this week, but uh, apparently there were some talks about Kevin Durant going to the Celtics, which which would probably preclude the Sixers from having any shot at a, at a championship. Uh, that so there was a trade rumored that did not happen, uh, but but if Kevin Durant were to stay in that's the Eastern all in front, right? All that the Durant thing is still in. Flux and yes, yeah. There was a report today yeah. that apparently the the Nets are still uh, hoping that Kevin Durant will withdraw his trade request. It's a whole thing, but is there a worst case a, a, a worse case scenario, a worse scenario for the Sixers than Kevin Durant going to the Celtics? J- just so I'm clear, the Celtics are already better than the Sixers. A hundred percent. Yes. Okay, so if they get Kevin Durant, how much worse does this get for the Sixers? What I mean is. Okay, yeah, Kevin Durant to the Celtics. Bleak to hopeless? Yeah, Kevin Durant to to the Celtics would be bad, but the Celtics already have shown that they're ahead of the Sixers, so I'm not not sure how much worse it could get. Well, I do think the Sixers closed the gap a little bit this summer. I like like the P.J. Tucker and D'Anthony Melton signings. I like the P.J. Tucker and D'Anthony Melton signings. I don't know that that gets you past the second round. That's the problem. Yeah, I agree. They're kind of they, ha- they had to do what they did, but wait, I'm not sure the gap so is closed So I guess that much. what they're going to have to do, the Sixers, if they're kind of stuck in this spot is... Oh, Glenn. Your fly- so you're going to have the Flyers and the Sixers in the process at the same time? No, the Sixers... As long as Joel Embiid <laughs> is upright, the Sixers are not processing again. Uh, yeah, I guess that's right. Well, Mike, uh, I got to tell you, this is our first uh, episode, and it's really been a pleasure. I want to, you know, give you the opportunity to, you know, say hi to your family and fans and friends and all that. No, I, I just want to say expired parking meter. <laughs> By the way, pro tip: get a parking spot that lasts you past the show for 
post-show meetings and all that? I tried, but I had to get in here because there was there were meetings to be done and preparation yeah. to be done. Um, thank right. you to everybody for listening. Glenn, thank you. Um, I'm looking forward to where this show is headed in the weeks and months to come. And uh, this has been great. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. So much. I'm hanging around because the next show is uh, they're kind of stuck in traffic. So I will do that. Mike, I will I'll talk to you during the week. What's your next column? Uh, good question. Okay. Uh, probably something Eagles related okay. early this week. That's fine. I'm sorry. Didn't I'm flying to... off the seat of my pants here, Glenn. Yeah, that's fine. You did a nice job. A really good job by you. Really professional and a lot of fun. I will see you next week. Uh, by the way, this hour has been sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. I may be here when we get back. I will be here when we get back. Well, yeah, there you go. For All about right. 15 more minutes. 15 more minutes. Great. Do me a favor, people. I got nothing else to talk about. 215-592-9494. If you call now, I promise you're on in the next segment. I want to talk to you. 215-592-9494. Moshe Kravitz, nice job. And you'll continue to do it right here on 94 WIP. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.